Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today as we wrap up another week in Texas agriculture. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And we're covering it all from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There is a need for U.S. farmers and ranchers to help advocate for animal agriculture online. Why? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll answer that question coming up on Texas Ag Today. There has been a dramatic rise in U.S. beef exports to China in recent months, but don't expect to see the U.S. claim a big portion of China's market share right away. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. There's a help wanted sign and it's for ag science teachers in Texas. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We're expecting to see more sorghum acres here in Texas this year and that gives farmers a chance to see if they're the best sorghum producers. The National Sorghum Producers 2021 Grain Sorghum Yield Contest is now open. The contest recognizes farmers from across the U.S. who achieve above-average yields. This year's divisions are irrigated, dryland no-till, dryland tillage, and food grade. National Sorghum Producers CEO Tim Lust says after an exceptional year in 2020, they're looking forward to another year of strong entries and yields. Entries must be submitted via email 10 days prior to harvest. National and state winners will be recognized at the 2022 Commodity Classic in New Orleans on March 10th through the 12th of that year. Details are available at sorghumgrowers.com. That's sorghumgrowers.com. And as we mentioned, we're expecting to see more sorghum acres here in Texas this year, and that is actually projected to be the case nationwide. USDA's prospective plantings report released recently showed that we're expecting over a million more acres of sorghum in the United States. Texas A&M Grain Marketing Specialist Mark Welch. I was surprised by that. I, I thought it would be two million, uh, but uh, we're seeing uh, an increase of about uh, about six million acres last year to about seven million acres in 2021. So, in terms of percentage, that, that's a pretty good increase. Uh, so, certainly farmers responding to the not only the higher uh, prices for uh, in the feed grain market, but particularly that uh, premium that's in sorghum right now, drawing more acres there. Texas A&M's Mark Welch. The Internet can be a breeding ground for myths and misinformation. So how can Texas farmers and ranchers help consumers differentiate between fact and fiction? Jessica Domel has an answer. 
On our last Prime Cuts, we told you about a program hosted by the Animal Agriculture Alliance designed to help those involved in agriculture become outspoken advocates online and in their communities. It is called Animal Ag Allies, and you can sign up online. But why are advocates for animal agriculture needed? Hannah Thompson-Weeman, the Vice President of Communications for the Animal Ag Alliance, explains. It's really critical for all of us in animal agriculture to be using our voices and using our networks to push back on some of those myths and misconceptions, especially right now. We're seeing a lot of rumors spread by different activist groups trying to tie animal agriculture to even the current pandemic and future pandemics and say that it's a risk to public health. Obviously, that's very concerning and problematic, and that's the type of thing that we need to be addressing. So it starts with positioning yourself as a leader, as a trusted resource in your community. We call that building the trust bank. So putting yourself out there, identifying yourself as a farmer, a rancher, an expert voice on these type of subjects, be involved in your community, part of organizations, host farm tours and establish yourself. Uh, And then when these issues arise, you have the credibility to share information. Uh, Either even just sharing an article that someone else has written can really help position yourself and get that information out there on social media, online or in person in your community. So we recommend finding your niche, the platform, the type of outreach that you really enjoy and are good at doing and making sure you're making time to do that. Even if communications is not part of your job description, if you want the freedom to operate and you want consumers to continue to feel confident in purchasing our products, we all need to be engaging in this dialogue. The Alliance isn't asking people to spend the majority of their day arguing with trolls online. Instead, they're encouraging people to start small. It can be very simple. Just set aside a few minutes a week to do some type of outreach, whether it's calling a journalist or hosting a farm tour or something like that, or as simple as sharing about your day. The most mundane thing to you is probably completely exciting and revolutionary to someone who never gets to spend the time on a farm. So just taking those steps to be transparent and share what you're doing, what you're up to, what challenges you're facing can be really valuable. And again, it's about starting small, just doing one thing a week. But if you consistently do that, you're going to be helping get that information out there. There are resources available at animalagalliance.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. There has been a big rise in U.S. beef exports to China in recent months. James Hunt has the story. In our last report, we talked about the rapid acceleration of U.S. beef sales to China since the implementation of the Phase 1 trade agreement. For example, more tons of U.S. beef products were shipped to China in the first two months of this year than were exported there in all of 2019. But while that is quite a success story, Joe Sheely of the U.S. Meat Export Federation says the immediate focus is not to make the U.S. the market share leader in China, but rather to sell significant amounts of so-called center-of-the-plate products. When China would open to, say, Uruguayan beef, and they'd open to Brazilian beef for the first time in, in a long time, you would just see massive volumes of beef going into those markets. But that's in part because those countries don't have access to some of the high-value markets that we have, like Japan, South Korea, even Canada and Mexico. We already serve really, really high-value markets. And so buyers in China, if they want U.S. beef, are going to have to outbid those established buyers in those markets. So we don't expect China to instantly become our top destination the way it has for some other countries, but we're, we're really happy to finally 
be having meaningful success there. Chile says there is one category where U.S. beef has claimed the top spot. The U.S. is now China's number one supplier of grain-fed beef, the kind of beef that is produced in our area feed yards. Chile also says there appears to be a lot less hassle to deal with for those who have product to ship to China. We've had a lot of both beef and pork plants become eligible under phase one. Uh, used to be a really arduous process. I think companies are finding it much easier to get approved and stay approved for China. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a high demand for agricultural education teachers here in Texas. Gary Joyner explains. The number of job postings for ag science teachers across the state is drawing some attention. The list on the website of the Agriculture Teachers Association of Texas is long. There are nearly 70 school districts seeking applicants. Word is that teacher attrition this year is higher than normal, and the large number of job postings seems to reflect that. Open positions include traditional ag science courses, as well as specialties in floral design, ag mechanics, technology and welding, among others. Those positions also include FFA advisor duties. Ag science teachers empower students to be their best in life, in leadership, and in future careers. These classrooms teach valuable skills. Jobs and careers are available in the marketplace for these students. There's concern that districts may eliminate some ag science classes if the positions can't be filled. Let's hope not. That would be a big loss for students and for Texas agriculture. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Food and agriculture entrepreneurs can apply for the 2022 Farm Bureau Ag Innovation Challenge. Michael Clements tells how from Washington. The American Farm Bureau Federation, in partnership with Farm Credit, has opened online applications for the 2022 Farm Bureau Ag Innovation Challenge. Farm Bureau Executive Director of Industry Relations Sarah Brown says the challenge has awarded more than $1 million over eight years. It's a really exciting milestone for us as we passed that this past year. We're excited that we've been able to expand the dollar amount we'll be awarding in startup funds. We are adding a formal runner-up prize, and so this year collectively we're we're going to be giving away $165,000 in startup funds across 10 of the finalist teams. Brown says the challenge helps put food and ag startups on the map. This is more than just a competition. They receive pitch training through Cornell University. There's a strong mentorship program as we work with the various rural business investment companies across the farm credit system and across our agribusiness sponsor companies. And we welcome folks to apply. We look for a wide range of business solutions and entrepreneurs. You can apply for the challenge online. You have until August 20th to submit your application, and then we'll be announcing the top 10 teams that are selected on October 5th. We highly encourage that you apply. We're looking for diversity and ideas and solutions across our businesses here in the U.S. Learn more and apply at fb.org challenge. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Two state agencies are asking for the public's help in preventing the spread of a fatal viral rabbit disease. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And rehab after injuries is common in humans, and it's becoming more common in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? 
We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Rehabbing injuries is a common practice in humans, and it's becoming even more common in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more. One of the most common forms of rehabilitation in horses is hydrotherapy. Cold water hydrotherapy that cools the tissues decreases pain by reducing conduction velocity of peripheral nerves. Also, cooling decreases the metabolism of the tissues, reducing requirements for oxygen and glucose. And cooling also causes constriction of blood vessels, which decreases bleeding and inflammation. Now, for these kind of cold water benefits, just spraying cold water on the leg is not enough. Tissue temperatures need to get down to 10 degrees centigrade which is about 50 degrees Fahrenheit, and this requires ice to get these temperatures down into that range. Alternating therapy of cold and heat can also be helpful for treating soft tissue injuries by increasing blood flow to the tissues. Cold constricts the blood vessels, and then heat dilates them, which helps to increase blood flow. However, it is very difficult to consistently heat the tissue to 40 degrees centigrade and then cool it to 15 degrees. A cold water leg spa has also been used that sprays the leg with cold salt water and air to help decrease swelling and increase oxygen to the tissue, but there are no good studies to support this use. Underwater treadmills are commonly used for horses and have been shown to be effective for improved limb function and range of motion. The underwater treadmill is also helpful for some cardio work and is better than swimming for targeting specific joints. Although swimming is great exercise, it should not be used for injured horses or horses with respiratory dysfunction, as swimming horses hold their breath after inspiration. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Two state agencies are asking for the public's help in preventing the spread of a fatal viral rabbit disease. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking Texans who find dead rabbits to report them to a TPWD wildlife biologist in their area. The department, along with the Texas Animal Health Commission, is tracking a deadly foreign animal disease that can lead to the sudden deaths of wild and domestic rabbits called rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus serotype 2. It was first found in Texas last year. TPWD reports a wild black-tailed jackrabbit in Cottle County and several domestic rabbits in Tom Green County have tested positive for the disease. They are the first cases for this year. RHDV2 is a fatal viral disease that is spread between rabbits through contact with an infected rabbit or carcass, their fur or meat, or through contact with contaminated food, water, or other materials. The virus can persist in the environment for a very long time, which makes it challenging to control once introduced into the wild rabbit population. It does not affect humans or other animal species. Symptoms include high fever, poor appetite, depression, bloody discharges, and or sudden death. Often, the only symptom is sudden death. 
The virus was first found in Texas last year. It's been confirmed in wild rabbits in Brewster, Cottle, Culberson, El Paso, Gaines, Hale, Hockley, Hudspeth, Jeff Davis, Lubbock, Pecos, Presidio, Randall, Terrell, and Ward counties. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department urges people who find sick or dead wild rabbits to contact their local TPWD wildlife biologists. You can do that by searching Find a Wildlife Biologist on the TPWD website. That's tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The bearishness continued this week in the cattle market on Thursday, another day of lower closes for both live and feeder cattle. However, we did see an uptick in cotton and wheat. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Here's a thought for Earth Day. American farmers are the original conservationists. They preserve the land, grow more food with fewer resources, and protect nature season after season. That's why commitments from Syngenta's Good Growth Plan focus on three key goals, helping farmers, accelerating innovation to support climate resiliency, and improving sustainability of agriculture for future generations. This message is brought to you by Syngenta as we celebrate this year's Earth Day theme, Restore Our Earth. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It has not been a good week for the cattle market. We've seen lower closes all week long when it comes to live and feeder cattle futures. We ended up closing on Thursday with April live cattle down another 50 cents, 121.60. June down 40, 119.65. August live cattle down 47 cents. 11970. Same story in the feeder cattle market. April feeders down a dollar ten, one forty oh five. May feeders down a dollar, one forty four forty two. August feeder cattle down a dollar ten at one fifty five sixty. Cash fed cattle market still fairly quiet for the week. We do have some light trade reported here in Texas at one twenty. Up in Kansas, reports of a few heads sold at one twenty one. No sales reported up in the Midwest, but we do have bids of 122 on some Iowa cattle. Of course, that's a live bid. Dressed bids of 196 being offered in Nebraska. Box beef prices higher. Choice up 392 at 276.83. Select up $1.56, 268.87. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. You know, O'Reilly Road sold till midnight on Monday. Didn't get his walk in the pens edition until about 6 a.m. on Tuesday. We're providing it for you today. Riley, how did you sell them in Three Rivers? Went good, Larry. Had some good volume. Uh, ended up with 2,435 head, a little few more than what we anticipated. Market uh, pretty much fully steady with what it was last week. We had a few pairs uh, brought from 700 up to 12 and a quarter. Uh, some bred cows uh, from 625 up to 1150. Uh, packer cows, 70 to 76 on your high yielding cows, 62 to 68 on your breakers, 36 to 50. 
54 in your canners. Packer bulls, 86 to 92 in your high yielding bulls, 74 to 86 in the low to medium yielding bulls. A two to three weight choice steers, 180 to 194. Heifer mates, 156 to 182. Three to four weight choice steers, 162 to 180. Heifer mates, 138 to 154. Four to five weight choice steers, 156 to 180. Uh, heifer mates, 134 to 150. Five to six weight choice steers, 154 to 170. Heifer mates, 130 to 148. The six to seven weight choice steers, 136 to 152. Heifer mates, 120 to 136. The seven to eight weight choice steers, 122 to 138. The heifer mates, 114 to 128. The quality, we had a lot of little lightweight calves due to the drought and everything, and uh, they, they got along pretty good with them. Good. What do we know for next week? Well, they're talking about rain. You know, we're sure hoping we get some of that. If it uh, does that, it'll slow it down quite a bit. Um, if not, we'll probably, I don't think we'll have as many as this week, but, uh, you know, probably in that fifteen to 1,800 range if it doesn't rain. Tell everybody how to get a hold of your Riley Road. 361-813-6650 is the cell. 361-786-2553 is the office. Liveoclass.com is webpage. Neighbor, that's it for today's edition of Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. You've been listening to my report on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio network good day to you neighbor back over to the futures market now we're lean hogs close lower april hogs down 20 cents 103.40 may hogs down three dollars 103.37 class three milk mix the april contract up seven cents 17.56 may milk down 23 at 18.60 a hundredweight The cotton market closed higher despite the fact that Thursday morning's USDA export sales report didn't look all that great. It showed sales of 122,000 bales. You compare that to the previous week's 270,000 bales. Traders didn't seem to mind, though. They shrugged that off and moved the market higher anyway. May cotton up 82 points, 85.02. July cotton up 74 at 86.26. The December up 37, 83.08. The wheat market added to Wednesday's big gains. July Kansas City wheat up three and three quarters, closing at six fifteen and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up five and a quarter, six fifty five and a half. The corn market was mixed with the nearby May lower, the deferred contracts higher. Even though that may close lower, we're still looking at levels we haven't seen in just about seven years. USDA reporting that twelve point nine million bushels of corn were sold for export last week. Japan and Mexico were the top buyers. May corn down four cents, five ninety a bushel. September corn up two and a half, five thirty and a half. December corn up a penny, five twelve and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas up four cents at two sixty six. May crude oil was up sixteen cents, sixty three thirty one a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 265 points, 33,996. The Nasdaq up 152 at 14,010. The S&P 500 up 38 points, 4,163. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin, and I hope we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.